Welcome to another thrilling episode of Skulling with Friends. In this edition, me, Dave, from Vikings First and Skull, teams up with Pay from the Da Bear Claw Podcast to bring you an in-depth analysis of the highly anticipated matchup between the Minnesota Vikings and the Chicago Bears, the one and four bowl. Get ready for an action-packed discussion as we leave no stone unturned, dissecting the offensive momentum, defensive challenges, coaching dynamics, and the impact of the forecasted weather conditions. From analyzing the recent performances of both teams to diving into the strategies and the key players to watch out for, Pay and I hope to provide insights and engaging banter that will keep you hooked throughout the episode. Whether you're a diehard Vikings fan or a passionate Bears supporter, this episode is a must-listen. So join us as we navigate through the twists and turns of this thrilling Vikings versus Bears showdown. Tune in now and get ready to start scolding with friends. Welcome to Scolding with Friends. That's right, friends. We don't have any enemies in the business. We have friends. The whole idea is to have a one-on-one, possibly one-on-two, but most likely one-on-one interviews with knowledgeable individuals. These individuals could be from the press, such as beat writers, broadcasters, or podcasters like us, or even from the team itself. We aim to not only feature people from Vikings land, who we may already know, but also individuals from other teams who can contribute to your Vikings knowledge as we grow our fandom for the purple, your Minnesota Vikings, the team we all love. It's time to skull and meet the new friend now. Hey everybody, it's Dave here from Vikings First and Skull with another episode of Skulling with Friends. Why friends? Because we don't have any enemies in this business. And we want to help grow your fandom by bringing you people in the know to talk about your Minnesota Vikings and or the teams they represent. And today from Chicago, we have Pay. From the Bear Claw Podcast. Joining me today to talk about our game coming up this Sunday at noon central, where your Minnesota Vikings go on down to visit the Chicago Bears. How you doing, Pay? I'm great, Dave, man. How you doing? Thanks for the intro. Thanks for the invite. Ah, no problem. I look forward to doing this all season long with our uh, interdivision competitors plus a few other teams that I know and this is always fun because we have a good time and we get to talk about our football teams I love it now I've got some got some questions for you this is the battle of the one in four teams in the division we both know where we sit when it comes to division rankings and neither one of us like it 
hope well that'll obviously change this weekend unless we end up in a tie with which our luck may end up happening. But first, you guys are coming off an impressive win against the Washington Commanders. How has the offensive momentum in Chicago shifted over these last two games versus the first three when it looked quite dysfunctional? Well, other than our quarterback looking like he's processing everything defense is throwing at him at a higher rate, I think our offensive coordinator has, you know, uh, matured a little bit in how he's how he calls the game. Um, as, as you, if you've watched these games, our our offense was pretty sophomoric. If I, I'm going to use that term, um, in the first three weeks, we were running primarily nothing but uh, junk dump, dump offs and screens. The first two weeks, really didn't really test any any defense. We didn't use Justin's attributes to their best ability. And one of those attributes, he wasn't really running the ball with our quarterback. Um, he's a he's he's a physical specimen. He's six three, two fifty. He's I mean he's got he's he's got legs that you know Justin that uh, uh, Jalen Hurts would be proud to have. You know Jalen Hurts is a, he's known to be strong lower body, and Justin's cut from the same stone. Uh, but our first. Two games, we weren't doing any wasn't doing any of that. We were going away from the things that we we're actually good at. Um, third game, we played Kansas City. Uh, that was a bloodbath. We all, Justin only completed eleven of twenty-two passes, uh, but a lot of them were vertical. We were pressing pressing down the field. We weren't doing any of the remedial things that caused us to look redundant the first two weeks and. Come the fourth game, we played Denver Broncos. Again, terrible defense. Uh, same thing with the Washington Commanders. Terrible defense. But we did exactly what you should do to a terrible defense. We gave them a an offensive uh, uh, attack that, I mean, that, that, that you should do. Again, like you should do to a terrible defense. Justin had four touchdowns in each of those two games. Flirted uh, with 300 yards in both games. He had... 300 versus the Denver. It just just short of uh, 300 in in uh, the game versus uh, the uh, Commanders. But um, yeah, to answer your question <laughs> in a long way, <laughs> it, it, it just looks like we're progressive, progressing in the right direction to be a professional offense. Slowly, but we're getting there. Well, you'll have a chance. Our defense isn't terrible but neither is it very good as well unfortunately for the vikings we have a bunch of youngsters on that side of the ball and ah, it's led to frustration on vikings fans parts now can dj moore continue his impressive performance from the past two games we surely hope so the reigning NFC Offensive Player of the Year had 230 yards receiving wow. in that Thursday night game. You know, on eight catches, three touchdowns, 230. Um, 
We certainly hope so. It's going to be it's going to be tricky to continue it um, into the neck into week six. Obviously, there's a regression to the mean. You uh, you don't expect another 200 yard game back to back. But it's, the weather is going to be going to be challenging. The weather plus Soldier Field and you know their inability to have drainage proper drainage on the ground when it rains. It's going to be it's going to be challenging. I I do want to piggyback on what you said. The defense can be a little generous. We will try to keep the good times rolling. <laughs> <laughs> I have not looked at the weather yet. What is the forecast for Sunday? Uh, as of right now, it's going to be low 50s, rain all day, wind gusts up to 20 miles per hour. Um not the worst. We, Chicago weather has been a lot worse than that. <laughs> but it's not the best um, atmosphere for a football game, especially if you want to throw the ball around. Yeah, it's not the monsoon of last year when you guys played the San Francisco 49ers. Correct. Good. But it's still going to be miserable, and that's not going to help my team. Oh, well, Good. <sighs> Something to look forward to. Next question I'd like to ask you is, what happened to Khalil Herbert, and how will his absence affect the team? Well, I first question. So what happened to him, he got hurt is, I believe it was his ankle in the Thursday night game. He hurt his ankle. Uh, in fact, we've had... We had three running back injuries in that game alone. Uh, he hurt his ankle. They haven't put him on IR up to this point, but it was going to be a multi-week absence for him. Uh, and that does affect the running game. We are a very good running team. Even though we do not have names you can write home about, we, our offensive line is, is patchwork. Uh, it is. It was that way last year at, when we had the number one rushing attack. Um, our running backs, no, there are household names. Uh, every only person anybody knows is Justin, and we don't want them to be, be the leading ball carrier. That's not conducive to. It's not conducive to wins. It's not sustainable as well. Khalil Herbert being being down and out is going to be very very trying for this team especially as we just talked about the uh, weather conditions that we're expecting come Sunday. Wow. It's not going to be good, but talking about Justin and we know he can run because he's run on Minnesota many times. How has Justin Fields performed against the blitz lately? That's what we got to look forward to. <laughs> oh, yes, you do. The Vikings are blitzing more than any other team in the league. Oh, man. So against the blitz, uh, the Bears have been uh, – what's what? I won't give them a failing grade um, because most, most teams haven't really blitzed us, really, you know, so far this season. Our, our offensive line is patchwork. Everyone knows that. They think they can just get to us with just four. And you usually can. Usually can. And for the most part, Justin, in, in the first two weeks especially, 
Justin's held onto the ball far too long, trying to process what's, what the defense is showing him downfield. I think the game plan so far, and it's probably going to change now that he's waking up, awoke, uh, woken up for the season. The game plan at the beginning of the season is to confuse him down the field and let your front four just get to him. And that was a recipe for success for the most part. Um, now, I do expect the Vikings to throw the kitchen sink at him. You can't, you can't let Justin do, do what he's done to Denver and, <laughs> and the commanders. Uh, so it's going, to be, it's, it's going to be interesting to see this. Uh, we haven't seen a lot of blitzes, like I said, but you know, for the most part, when we did see extra men coming, it, we didn't fare too well. Uh, so we're going to need Justin to process that another thing a lot quicker. Well, it should be interesting on that one. How has Matt Eberflus, your head coach, handled his increased responsibilities as a defensive play caller? We all know that you, your defensive coordinator resigned under questionable circumstances, and Eberflus has had to step in. Has this hurt the team or helped the team? From this point, um, so Allen Williams hasn't coached the hasn't coached the defense since week one. Uh, I cannot say that it's been a step in the right direction whatsoever. I, I don't, for any stretch of the imagination, we've looked bad every game. Up, and you can probably give us a, a, a passing grade for this last game against uh, the Commanders. Other than that, defense looked horrible. Uh, Eberflus was a very well-respected defensive coordinator in Indianapolis before he got the head coaching job in Chicago. However, that is a it is heavy to do to plan the defense, call the defense, and be the head coach because you got to oversee the special teams, you got to oversee the offense, you got to check in on those meetings, you got to do a lot of managerial stuff in addition to your main job, which is now the defense. You know, what I mean that's. For anybody, that's a lot. That's a lot to take in. Most coaches that call offense or you know defense, whichever whichever they want to do, they don't actually set it up. They you know they have their coordinator set the game plan up, and they just call the plays. Eberflus has got to do all of this, so <laughs> that's that's a lot to take on for anybody. I don't I don't envy him whatsoever. Um, but yeah, to answer your question, it has not been. It's not been a, a roaring success. However, uh, it's, it's, it's again, it's a lot of work. I would give them some leeway. I would give them some time to get, get everything together. The players seem to like it. The players seem to like, you know, getting the calls from from Eberflus directly. So, hopefully, as time moves on, he gets more comfortable. The players get more comfortable. Maybe we get some players back from IR. Eddie Jackson, former Pro Bowler, uh, Kyler Gordon just got. His um, 21-day reactivation from IR today, as a matter of fact. So maybe some of that will help. Uh, I can only hope. Well, how hot is Eberflus's seat if the Vikings win on Sunday? I, I don't think it gets any hotter than it already is. I mean, we are one and four. <laughs> <laughs> if we go to one and five, it's not much of a difference. <laughs> um, 
But if we start, but if we start backsliding, we we have shown some progression. We have the offense has looked good. If we backslide and lose this game, you know, God forbid, and let's say the offense still the offense looks, you know, professional, looks good. That only makes Eberflus's midseason departure a little more imminent, even though I don't think it's imminent right now. I don't think anybody wants to do that. But if the office continues to grow, the uh, obviously the the argument can be made, hey, just get, just promote the offensive coordinator. I wouldn't make that argument because I don't think he's deserved it yet. But, you know, Iberflus only has four wins as a co- as a head coach. Oof. Four wins in a year and a what, a year and a quarter, almost a year and a half. Time's ticking. <laughs> How much is that? Is polls your GM though? Oh, I think I think they go. They're locked at the hip. Yeah. You know, some other people might want uh, you know give polls some credit. You would not get that from me. Uh, polls. He's the one who bought the groceries. Iberflus has to cook it. Iberflus hasn't done a great job cooking what he what he's had. But if you ask me. Poles has got groceries from the gas station. I don't like nothing he brought home. Nothing, nothing. Um, it, that we already know about the failed trade for Chase Claypool. We we traded away our best player. This is all on the polls. We traded away our best player, Roquan Smith. We got back two draft picks. We traded one of the best draft pick of that haul for Chase Claypool. Chase Claypool was a utter failure. We traded him away with another draft pick to get. A draft pick, so that's a negative right there. We we're now we've you know, canceled out. We lost Roquan all, all together. We lost Roquan Smith, an All Pro linebacker, and got back as of right now a fifth and a sixth. That's a horrible trade. Uh, you you brought in the player you brought in to help Justin didn't help Justin whatsoever. You traded a, a another another a first round pick for DJ Moore. That's so far working out. Um, you didn't address the defensive line. Defensive line had 20 sacks total last season. He didn't address it at all in the off season. We had all the cap space in the world to address it. He did not touch it until halfway through training camp when we signed Yannick Nagakwe from, he was had one foot into, uh, into retirement and we brought him into the, Hey, can you be our pass rush guru? Uh, Yannick Godway has what? I think two sacks on the season. Uh, most of our sacks came from this last game. He got seven sacks on the season. Five of them came against the commanders. We're not good in that, in that department. That falls squarely on pole. I'm not even blaming Iberflus on that. We, we already knew we didn't have the horses to, uh, pressure anybody. And Poe, uh, and Poe's did nothing with it. Um, Let's see. Well, we have the number one draft pick. We traded down twice to get Darnell Wright. Darnell Wright so far has been a pretty good right tackle. Um, no, no issues with him as a rookie. Um, but two of the guys that we were, had circled, <sighs> Will Anderson, Jalen Carter. I don't know, Dave. Have you heard? <laughs> they, they, they <laughs> They've done pretty good. <laughs> They've done pretty good, right? <laughs> They've done pretty good in an area that we need help in. So, <sighs> polls. I 
if he has to fire Eberflus, that only makes his seat hotter. <laughs> okay, gotcha. It it's going to be interesting to watch. I'll grant you that. Now, Ngakwe is going to have a hard time this weekend because he's going against one of the two best tackles in the league. That's I. It's going to be interesting. But speaking of the pass rush, what do you expect from your team, the Bears' pass rush this weekend? So, I never expect much from them. Again, it came into the year a, a year removed from barely touching the quarterback. Uh, up up until this last game, we had two sacks. Um, so two sacks in four games. I don't. I never expect much. I don't think the. I think this will be a safer week for Kirk. Put it like that. And I think <laughs> he he's had he's had his his issues hold on to the ball with strip sacks. I don't think this line would be the one that's going to cause him much itch much issue. Uh, for pass rushing, yeah, it's 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 always a work in progress. We might have to send extra guys to get in the backfield and. We don't have much, you know. We we need all the guys in the secondary we can we, that we can have. Sending more people back there to do a four man job that's not going to work out well for us. <laughs> what you? I'm sorry. I hope that's the case. Don't mean to laugh, but I hope that's the case. What do you think the Bears will have to do to beat the Minnesota Vikings on Sunday? Oh. Oh, this is this is an easy one. <laughs> oh, so so win this game, we got to capitalize on what Minnesota's been doing well this season. That's putting the ball on the ground. We have to capitalize on that. It's going to be raining. We this is bare weather. Minnesota plays in a dome. We got to we got to attack the ball. We got to. I, I wish Peanut still played for this team because this will be a tailor made game for him. Um, that's the first thing. We got to attack the ball and maybe and call, and call some turnovers. Something the Bears have not been great at doing most of this season. But if we do that, that is the first step into winning this game. The next step, uh, move the chains. You got to you got you got to stay on the field. You got to keep the offense on the field. Um, and not 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 because we're scared of the Vikings op- offense. Even though you are ranked what second in passing, mm-hmm. yeah, it, it, don't make no mistakes about it. Great offense, not as great coming into this game. Right, um, we'll get into that. But uh, we do want to stay on the field. You, I don't know who we're going to have running the ball, but Justin and DJ and Cole Komet, if he plays, we got to move the chains. We got to keep the pressure on, and hopefully. Hopefully, um, not let our not put our defense in a strain in a bind as to which they you know they bend so much and then they just eventually break. Should be interesting. Well, now it's that time of the show when we're getting ready to flip the script and enjoy a few of those commercials that adds beer money to both mine and Pay's banking account. Right after this.
Welcome to the Bear Claw, episode 37. We have a game preview for week six. I am joined by my fellow Fans First Sports Network cohort of the NFC North. You've all heard him here before on our NFC Roundup. Here's Dave from Vikings First and Skull. Dave, how you doing? I'm doing great today. So beautiful Thursday, and we're getting ready for some football on Sunday. Oh man, Sunday feels. I don't know. Is it taking? This taking a while this week for me. I don't. People saying the week is moving fast. I'm like, I haven't seen any football. What's what's? It's taking forever. If you ask me. Well, tonight. And this will probably go out afterwards, but the Kansas City Chiefs are like 10.5-point favorites over the Denver Broncos. Do you watch that game? I'm, I'm, I'm watching it because I got, I, got I got some action on That's the only reason why I'm watching it. <laughs> <laughs> Good luck. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh, uh, don't want to hold you too long there, Dave. So let's talk about your Vikings. Um We've talked about bears that all, all the everybody that listens to this show here's bears 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 bears. Let's talk. Let's talk about this game from a Vikings perspective. I want to hear how you think the Vikings should be able to win this game. Uh, so, real quick, just keys to the game. Well, how do the Vikings beat the Bears? One, they need to stop their propensity of putting the ball on the ground. So far this year, the Vikings have 13 turnovers, 12 of which have been fumbles. And the fumbles are relatively equally spread, except for Kirk Cousins, who's been strip-sacked multiple times. They're, it doesn't matter who it is, they're dropping the football. And if Chicago can generate that drop, or if their hands are made of butter, like they have been. And that brings us to the second problem. There's been a lot of dropsies this year on our relatively good receivers, Pro Bowl. Then if we eliminate that, the Vikings can win. But the major key is going to be adjusting the game plan to move the ball effectively without Justin Jefferson. I'm sure everyone in Chicago has heard, everyone across the league has, Justin Jefferson went to IR this week after tearing his hammy in the game on Sunday. He will be out for four weeks. What this does is obviously takes the focal point of the Minnesota Vikings offense off the field because J.J. has been. J.J. is that good. They're going to have to, Kevin O'Connell, our head coach, is going to have to figure a way to better utilize everybody else on the offense so that they can make up for J.J. being gone. The lack of double coverage on J.J. opening up other wide receivers, which will now move its focus to Jordan Addison, and figure out how to move the ball from there. Whether it be on the ground or sticking in the air, and we do have a tendency of throwing over 60% of the game, it's going to be interesting. 
but they're going to have to do that. Stop those few, do those few things, fumbles, drops, and figure out how to utilize everybody else. Without JJ, we win. Wow, I did not know he actually tore his hamstring. I thought yeah, it was more like a like a grade three or four pull. I well, it's a pull. It's it's not a complete tear, but it's a pull. Okay, he was seen okay. in the facilities today running. So, which brings up questions of how bad was it? Well, that is an interesting development. I'm going to have to throw a curveball there. So, our last episode, we had our NFC roundup. Uh, You shot down any type of idea that they're intentionally putting him on the IR to, to hold him out in case of a potential trade. In, in case things keep continue going the way they do go before trade deadline. Uh, if he's running in the stadium uh, after being put on IR, I don't know. I don't know, Dave. <laughs> That's a lot of smoke for, for there to be no fire. Well, that question is being asked across Vikings land today when that report came out. Said he wasn't 100%, but he was, he was supposedly jogging, which is – uh, faster than the reporter who reported it sprints mm-hmm. in our okay. indoor practice I, facility. Yeah, I know. As a as a Viking fan, I, will, I, I know you would prefer him to just relax, mm-hmm. relax, so this hamstring can heal fully in that four week span. Uh, I like Justin being in the in the division. You know, he's a terrific player. I love. I, I am a big fan of wide receivers, and the close I get to see him twice a year. I love it. I would not wish that they do trade him or anything like that, just as the fan part of me. Um, but, you know, football is a business. But and it does bring up the conspiracy theories of how do you describe tanking without saying you're tanking. Yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, if they... If they were moving in that direction, you would have to. He's he's very valuable. Justin Jefferson is maybe arguably the best wide receiver in the league, but you've got another valuable player who also plays offense. That it's been rumored that they don't have the best relationship between him, the quarterback. I'm speaking about Kirk Cousins and his wide receiver room. That's been rumored. I I don't know much other than the Netflix show. I can't tell you much of this in a relationship with anybody on the team. Um, but yeah, that's, I don't want to posit that, posit that too much. Kirk has to earn trust of his receivers. And if you drop balls on Kirk, he's not going to throw to you. It's, you've got to be able to catch balls in contested conditions and big time situations. Once you do that, he'll trust you and everything goes smooth. But if you can't do that, good luck getting a ball thrown your way. It's generally how Kirk's operated in his six seasons with the Minnesota Vikings. Uh, Two-part question here, Dave. Do you, are you a fan of this team selling? And if so, what's the drop-dead date? We are in a, quote, competitive rebuild. 
And when Kwesi and KOC came in, Kevin O'Connor, our head coach, Kwesi Adolfo Mansar, GM, they were not allowed to tear things down like Brian Poles did in Chicago. And we were the owners of the Vikings even interviewed Brian Poles ahead of time. They were told, you can rebuild, but it's going to be a competitive rebuild. And first off, last year, we want to keep everybody from the previous year to see if it was Mike Zimmer and Rick Spielman's fault. They did that. We won 13 games, a whole bunch of one-score games that we all won, 11 of them. It was a magical season, fun to watch, especially that Buffalo game in Buffalo. That was great. This year, they got rid of more older players. Dalvin Cook, Eric Kendricks, Patrick Peterson went off to the, uh, I was about to say Pirates, to the Steelers. And so the defense is super duper young because it had been gutted a couple years ago when Spielman got, got rid of everybody and left Zimmer with nothing. And that's when about the time the Vikings offense started to pick up. That rebuild portion of it is still in progress. It, people say it takes three years to rebuild a team-ish. You, you're turning over a quarter to half the squad every year, every team is. If it's taking three years, you've got to give the, the GM three years to see if his plan's coming to fruition. I'd say it's about one and a quarter years in. And then in 2022, which our draft picks haven't turned out, we can quasi blame that all on Spielman's staff because Quasi hadn't had the chance to bring in his staff. Could that be possible that if we do finish poorly or the likelihood of that happening, and we're both one and four, we know the odds of getting to the playoffs at one and four, or winning the Super Bowl is less than 1%. There's there's a chance that if we go to, in the next three games, if we lose at least two of them, that, and we play you guys this weekend, then we play 49ers that following Monday night, and then we go to Green Bay and play the Packers, who have a professional quarterback, unquote, um, that that's right before the deadline. The Packers game is on the 29th. 31st is the deadline. Quasi Adolfo Mensa, who comes from the analytical background, might want to get rid of a bunch of assets. And what I mean by assets are guys that are not going to be with the team next year. They're on the last year to contract or the team's already made up their decision. They're not keeping them in next year or whatever it is. They might look to see who will offer what so that they can increase increase their draft haul. And that, that would be my suspected route which they would go. They want draft picks. Not necessarily players, but draft picks. But if the right player comes along, they might take that. Hey, Patrick Sertan from Denver. If he goes on the trade block, hey, that would be an answer for our defensive backfield. We can take him and good to go, right? But 
more likely they're looking for draft picks so that we can be competitive if we're not at the very tippy top of the draft, that we can move up to the top of the draft to get our quarterback of the future. And that is these guys were hired to find the next quarterback because Kirk Cousins, as well as he been has been playing, and he's been playing well, he's a stat master. He puts up yards. He puts up touchdowns. That's without a doubt. He does that. He's getting old. He's 35 this year. He'll be 36 next year. He's a free agent after this year. I think the Vikings want to move on from him and find their next quarterback. So the decision to win to sell, I'm sure phone calls are being made, preparatory phone calls are being made already, and it's all going to end up of what's our record over the next three games. I definitely feel that that is the best way to play it. It's the, it's the safe way. You got three games up until you got 48 hours to make a decision. Um, if, we, if we lose to you guys on Sunday, there's going to be more screaming for it from the fans, and there already is a bunch already. Oh, yeah. Um, well, you, you brought it up, Dave. Uh Who's playing on Who's playing on Saturday? That you that Viking Nation, uh, the Purple People Eater populace is uh, looking at. Oh, they're drooling over Caleb Evans, of course, and Drake May's the other one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, Drake May would look good in purple. Oh, I think so too, and I like the fact that Drake May is what six four, six five, six four. I think yes. he is. Yeah. Whereas yeah. Caleb Evans what? only six one. Very athletic family. That May family, very athletic. Uh, I'm a I'm a North Carolina fan. Uh, spoiler alert. So Drake May's his older brother Luke May was on the last national championship team for the North Carolina basketball team. Uh, their father, uh, he was a quarterback. Um, I believe he played in the National Football League for a little while in the '80s. Okay. Uh, very athletic family. They got good genes. Six five doesn't surprise me one bit. And I'd like a bigger quarterback. I mean, not that Kirk Cousins small. Kirk Cousins six four. I just, I just think the smaller quarterbacks have a harder time. Now, six one is not small. He's not Panthers quarterback tiny. He's, you know, that's decent size. I just a Caleb Evans. We hear all the hype. He's a generational quarterback. He is so so good that to me that sends warning flags. Because every time we hear that about a quarterback coming out, he either flames out or he's, you know, he doesn't do the transition well. We'll find out if that's the case. He, he very well could be the next thing of, you know, better than sliced bread. Who knows? I mean, Harbaugh, not Harbaugh, um, the quarterback for the Colts years ago that retired early. That came out with the Civil War neckbeard. Oh. <laughs> he came out pumped up as this is the next greatest thing. And he played well. You see Civil War now. Pl- Civil War now. I can only think about Andrew Jackson. <laughs> um, he played well. He went to Pro Bowls, went to a couple playoff games, but never, you know, took it above. That's why I. 
I worry about that first pick being a quarterback because they tend to be a little bit overhyped. But I would take Caleb Williams in a heartbeat if he's available to us. Because we need somebody. Andrew Luck. Yes, Andrew Luck. I haven't. The Vikings haven't had a franchise, true franchise quarterback, probably since Dante Culpepper. Mm-hmm. That they mm-hmm. drafted yeah. and brought up. And before that, it was Fran Tarkington. That's it. Yeah. I mean, we're your, I can't compare us to your quarterback list where you've had like 450 in the last 20 years. I can't quite do that, but it's, we haven't, both our teams have been shy on in the quarterback, franchise quarterback department. You haven't had one since when, McMahon? If you ask me, McMahon would not fit the mold for this conversation. Because um, defense carried that team. Correct. Um, he was a he was a gr- he was a great game manager. This is he was he was a famous game manager. Uh, we, the Bears haven't had a quarterback that we a drafted. B was a franchise actual quarterback since and by franchise i mean one that leads you to wins leads you to victories playoffs etc mm-hmm. and it lasts probably at least 10 years mm-hmm. uh sit lugman wow mm-hmm. yeah so wow. we both can empathize about that drought and how that would be nice now you hope you have it in justin fields that it's just taken a few years for it to show itself. Hope so, because uh, Justin's only got five, six wins as for a career. So I really can't. I, I really wanted to, Dave. I really wanted to say we got one now. I really wanted to say that, but he's only, like I said, he's only got six wins for his career. I think he's six and twenty-two, something like that. Uh, so it doesn't fit the. It also doesn't fit the. Uh, the description. Um, mm. Yeah. All right. So that was fun talking about all the uh, gloomy, you know, <laughs> day, Over days ahead. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> the one it. thing we've that's, had that's, is wide receivers, though. We've had some great wide yeah. receivers. Oh, and oh some great, yeah. And we both have great defensive line heritages. And you have, yeah. and same for, there's been a few good linebackers. Are the Bears going to be doing now? I'm asking you the question. You should be asking me. Are the Bears doing a ceremony this weekend for Dick Buckus? I would be shocked if they didn't. Um, they haven't announced anything, but they they did one for Walter. They did one for, and I'm going cross going cross sports now. When uh, the Cubs lost Jack Brickhouse and Harry Carey in the same off season, they did they had um, tributes to them on the first home game. Uh, when the Bears lost, who was this last most recent guy? I can't think of his name. Um, Big Cat Williams. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Big Cat. Big Cat Williams. Not even. He's not a Hall of Famer, but he's a he's a Bear. Um, they had a tribute for him. So I would be very shocked if the Bears didn't do something for Dick Buck. Dick Buck is he? He is the Bears. <laughs> you think of the Bears? Dick Buck is his, the what? You don't get three names out before his name comes out. Uh, yeah, it, it should be an emotional time. I, I, his family will probably be there. 
I'm very well. I'm I'm sure that it's going to be something good for. Uh, we're gonna put on the show for Dick, and they're uh, they're going to the team's going to play with some emotion, just because. Uh, Vikings are worried about that extra motivation from you guys. Yeah, well, you know, we need to, we need all the extra motivation we can get. Yeah, because Dick Dick Buck has died. Um, they said it was overnight in his sleep. Uh, the Wednesday going into Thursday night football. So if we can, you know, sad to say, if we can still harness some of that emotion and play with the same type of fire that Buck has played with, you know, it, you know, it works for it works for everybody. Well, Vikings fans do respect Nick Buckus. He was one of the greatest linebackers to ever play the game. Full stop. Yeah, one of the greatest. Uh, I'm 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 in love with watching the highlights and. <laughs> <laughs> those type of that type those type of uh, uh, that type of battery on the field, I miss it. <laughs> oh man, I miss I miss us. Uh, yeah, that you would get arrested hitting somebody like that now. All right, so now that we're back on th- talking about Thursday, um, the Vikings defense. You hinted on this earlier. The the passing defense for the Vikings has been. One of the Achilles heels so far this season. Uh, no, you you spoke about the fumbles. I believe that would be one of three, a three-headed monster. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's talk about the number the number two one. I would say the Vikings passing defense. The quarterbacks are averaging 117 QBR. That's horrible. The, the Vikings defense so far. The Bears aren't too much worse. <laughs> um, do you think that there is there's anything that could be done to turn this around? Oh, as they learn the Flores system more and more, they'll get a little bit better. As the younger players develop, hopefully they get a little bit better. We'll find out. Uh, Caleb Evans, one of our starting corners, was pulled out of the game last week with an injury. I don't know if he's going to be ready to be back this week. If not, we get the rookie Blackman in for his spot. Murphy hasn't been great. Safeties have been playing rather well. I'm not worried about safeties. It's But the style of defense they're playing, there's a lot of they do great, do great, do great, or do sufficient, sufficient, sufficient. And then they'll gamble on a blitz and whatever and then get burned. There's been a lot of plays that they got burned on. And and we know we knew that coming into the season because of all the young talent back there, or lack thereof talent back there, that we knew we were going to get burned on occasionally on occasion because Hal Flores calls that defense, which we'd much rather have than last year with the Ed Donashell defense. Ed Donatel, who we call Donashell, was the most conservative defensive coordinator I have ever seen in my entire life. He put everybody back and had the teams come to them and he tried to bleed them down and it just didn't work. I'd rather see aggression. We see aggression this year. It's just cost us. And the youth and inexperience has cost us. We could use more talent on that side of the ball, most definitely, especially uh, if you want to talk. Now that's the defensive backfield. We're okay when it comes to talent wise 
on the defensive line. We're okay on the outsides with Davenport, who's played the last two games and got himself a couple sacks. And then, of course, Daniil Hunter, who has six sacks on the season. They're both getting pressures like crazy. We just wish our interior defensive linemen, the interior defensive three, were a little bit more stout. We're not that good against the run. And that happens to be one of your better traits. So it's going to be interesting to see how that matches up. I, from what I saw so far this season from the Vikings, um, it has been some, some oofs, uh, some blown coverages that have led to some, um, some of the bigger plays the defense has given up. Um, the blitzing, you spoke on it. A lot of blitzing coming from the Flores defense. And we you know what behind blitzing, what you get a lot of cover zero. A lot of uh, man to man, and young defensive players—they got to learn. They got to learn how to, you know, play man for a, a greater amount of time. I think the Vikings only have nine nine sacks so far um, this season. So um, the blitzing might help. Well, far- Hunter with six, Davenport with mm-hmm. two, and uh, Harry the Hitman Smith with one. Good job. Uh, um, well, we have, we have no interior pressure, and that kills us. Yeah. So, I don't know if I can call the uh, the blitz effect so much of a success. Maybe, maybe you rush the quarterback a little bit, but again, twenty ninth in passing. So, uh, I mean, maybe maybe Flores has to tone it back a little bit at some point. Uh, I don't know. Not, not not my call though. I don't think he will uh, this weekend. I think he'll crank it up. I think so as well. I can. Already, he'll try to get in it. Justin Fields' head early and often. Yeah, you speed him up. Speed him up. Maybe he, he speed up his processing. He makes a mistake in the crunch time. Uh, wouldn't be surprised. All right. So I spoke about the first two heads so far that I think they are plaguing the Viking season so far. Talk about the passing defense, talk about the turnovers. Third one, Alexander Madison. How, how would you describe so far the Alexander Madison era? He took over for took over um, uh, primary duties for Davin Cook. Davin Cook is no longer with the team. He's now in New York. Um, I don't know what he's doing there. But so far, the Vikings rushing offense is – is this 28th ranked in the league? Um, sum it up for me, Dave. How 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 does Alexander Madison in the rushing attack? How how, how would you how would you describe it so far? Well, in the first two games, we got behind on the score and went heavy to the pass. That's where JJ puts up you know close to 200 yards. And, Kirk Cousins is throwing for over 400 yards stuff because we're playing catch up. And we've tended to do that this season so far. There were limited snaps in both those games. And I think the last game, I think it was only 26 running snaps. During that time, Alexander Madison is a workhorse style of back. 
I call him like a quarter horse versus a thoroughbred. He has to literally build up a lather to become more efficient. He's he's positive. His runs are positive. We don't get the tackled two yards behind the line of scrimmage stuff that we used to with Dalvin Cook. See, with Dalvin Cook, we'd get minus two, minus one, zero, two yards, minus two, minus one, and we're, you know, in three and outs all the time because we were never in a position to get ahead of where our play calling was. And then once in a while, we'd get, boom, 85 yards, and he'd bust one. You're not going to get that 85-yard run from Alexander Madison. It won't happen. We're hoping that Cam Akers, who we brought in, will help provide that. We hoped Ty Chandler, who we drafted, would have provided that. They haven't stepped up yet. Cam Akers is looking pretty good. And I think I'm going to like the Madison Akers one-two punch type deal. But for Madison to get going, and we've only really had one game, one or two games where he's really run well, and he came close to 90 yards rushing on one and was over 100 when he combined his all-purpose yards, is when he gets a lot of work and tends to get going. He usually, I think last game, he averaged 3.3 yards per game, per game, but that's that's nothing, right? That's mediocre at best. But there are times when he can get up close to six, and he's just pounding. And he's he doesn't see like a cutback blocker like Dalvin Cook was. He doesn't, his vision isn't good at spotting that. But if the line opens up holes for him, he's going through, and he'll take defenders with him. It's just a matter of have we been ahead or in position to run more so far this season? And for the most part, we have not. We're playing catch-up, which is extremely frustrating for us as Vikings fans because we have an offense that can score a lot of points, but for some reason... They haven't figured out how to this season yet. Last time we scored over more more than 40 points in a game was 2019. Which is, uh, with our offense, should be almost, you know, a few times a year. But no. So, I suspect we will see a lot of Madison and Akers this week. I still like Madison as the number one rusher in a committee approach, but he does need his carries to work up that lather. Without it, he's not doing great. And the and our offensive line is good at run blocking. I think they rank number one in the league in run blocking. But it's all in the I shouldn't they are number one in the run blocking. But what changed between the first games and the two games that he was decent uh, games three and four was they changed the blocking style a little bit. We were always outside zone, mid zone style of offense. During those two games, we switched to a little bit more gap and power when it came to the interior blocking, and we got better results that way. And I, I could tell you, as being prior lineman, that running gap and power is a lot more fun because you're attacking. You know, a zone, you're moving laterally. Right. And you don't have all the power you do is if you're blowing off the ball going for that defender. 
gap and power, you're going for the defender. It's mono and mono. This guy in front of me is my guy. I'm going to blow him out. They do better that way. Holes get open quicker. He hits, bang, good to go. I'm not so much worried about the run game as long as we're in the game. But it's usually we get two scores down and then pop the top. Here comes Kirk Cousins. We're going to throw with abandon. And Kirk tends to play conservative until we get to two scores down, two scores down, and then he goes off. It's like, why can't you do that from the beginning? It's it's a frustrating talent of his. And he and he's always been that way. But I'm not so much worried about Madison. I'm not he's not he's not Dalvin Cook, but Dalvin Cook isn't Dalvin Cook of his prime either. We got rid of Dalvin Cook because he was aged and he needed to be gotten rid of and Jets are finding that out. He hasn't done squat over there. So I totally agree about Davin Cook. I mean, the writing was on the wall. Uh, but that is that is why I like you, Dave. You gave us excellent insight into the numbers. Why the numbers do lie sometimes. You know, it, it looks like Alexander Madison isn't doing squat, but it's not all him. Football is never just drilled down into one person or one reason. There's always a it's a orchestra. Everything mm-hmm. is bleeding together. And what the difference between Madison and Cook is, Madison will maybe get three or four yards on that carry. Well, then you're at second and six. Cook got minus two, then you're at second and 12. Mm-hmm. And the playbook is a lot more open at second and six than it is at second and 12. And that's that's the biggest difference. It's opening up other stuff for us. And that's why I like him as the lead running back. Yeah. I Yeah, you that's definitely true. It's second and 6, you've got the entire playbook to play with. Second and second and 12. All right. Let's let's put these plays away. Let's put the fun stuff away. Let's get those yards back. Yeah, that's that's no fun. And then usually you you got third and long. And at that point... We're throwing we're, a J.J. Yeah. And, of course, we yeah. don't have J.J. for the next four weeks, at least. Well, you are a professional at this day. If you segue into my final question, how can the Vikings can retain its effectiveness sans Justin Jefferson for the next month? You already spoke about Alexander Madison and the run blocking. You're excellent run blocking. You got uh, a high, t- highly touted running back, uh, not wide receiver that you drafted. But now, Sands Jefferson, how do you keep the how do you get the train on the tracks? Okay, Jordan Addison, our rookie, who's doing extremely well already, is going to now become the featured wide receiver. He'll be wide receiver one. Whether he's called that or not, he's going to be that. People are saying, no, uh, he shouldn't be. K.J. Osborne should be wide receiver one. No, K.J. Osborne is not going to be wide receiver one. Jordan Addison will be wide receiver one. But he's going to have to learn, one, what it's like to be doubled, and he probably hasn't been that way since USC, what it's like to be doubled because he is going to be now the focal point for the defense and how they line up and how they protect. 
and he's going to have to learn. This is something we're looking for to watch as fans. He is diminutive in size, is how I like to put it, because he's not a big wide receiver whatsoever. He's only 5'9", five, 5'10", five, something like that, and 185 pounds dripping wet. He's not a big guy. If he gets muscled, he has a tendency, if he gets muscled, on the line of scrimmage by a big defensive back, it's going to throw him off his route. He's not, his route running is superb, except for getting off that one-on-one physical contact at the line of scrimmage. He hasn't figured that out yet. If he can do that, he's going to get the majority of the balls. Now, but it should be, because the defenses are going to change. There's no more doubling J.J. because he's not there. Their schemes are going to change. You're going to use Jared uh, Addison. Jordan Addison is your wide receiver one. And the other person that's going to really have to step up is our tight end T.J. Hawkinson. And the problem with T.J. is he's had the dropsies. He's had one fumble, and he's had... Almost probably a half dozen passes blow through his hands. Now, they weren't the easiest of catches, but he got his hand on them. And I always taught when I coached, and I always was taught when I played. You touch the ball, you catch the ball. That's what you're getting paid for. So those two are now going to become our primary receiving threats. They've got to go through that. Now, we have a bunch of good backup wide receivers that are going to be, you'll see, playing time. But those two are going to be the main ones defensive coordinators are going to focus on. K.J. Osborne, as I mentioned before, he becomes your wide receiver, too. I expect them to slide him across the field, middle range, you know, 10-yard-ish, and hopefully... Kirk will throw on time to him, unlike he did last week, and he'll up his receptions. Because at the end of last year, the last six games, K.J. Osborne absolutely rocked. He wasn't great before then, but he absolutely rocked. And we thought, hey, we've got a wide receiver three that could possibly be a wide receiver two. And so far this season, he has not done as well, And but he's going to get his opportunity. But that's how... With those wide receivers, the passing game's going to have to go, which means the running game is also going to have to be more efficient because we don't have, oh, no, it's third and 10. we got to throw to J.J. in our playbook anymore. So they're going to have to change it. It's got to be eliminate the, the fumbles and the dropsies and get creative in the play calling, put guys in motion, and let's see what develops. That's the only way I can see them getting th- through the next four weeks. Good luck. <laughs> and Kirk's got to be Kirk from Kirktober fame, where he's Superman Kirk. Now, noon games, he usually is. Yeah. Um, I. I I hope so. I mean, TJ Hawkinson, he does, I agree, he has a penchant to put the ball down and not catch something that he should catch. But he's been pretty pretty good other than that this season. Um, 
Oh, he and he does a lot. A lot of people get angry with him over the drops, but they're not seeing all the other things that he does as a tight end. And the tight ends are required to do a whole bunch of other stuff. And I'm not just talking blocking because he doesn't do a whole lot of that. But there's the way the game is played. He does a lot. He's just dropped a lot, which we did not see last year. I mean, the whole reason Detroit gave him up was that same reason. We traded for him, and then last year, he was great in those 10 games. This year, he started late. He was out uh, all during training camp with an ear infection and then a backache, and everybody joked around it was contractitis. But he still hasn't seemed to catch up to 100% on his focus and everything being in sync. And it's it's got to come that way this week, or we're going to be in trouble. Uh, yeah, this this all ties up perfectly. Uh, Jordan Addison, he drafted him in the first round. He's got uh, Jefferson. He's on IR. It might it might be a discussion of do we sell and then build for the future? Yeah, is Justin Jefferson on the block? You don't know. I mean, we got Jordan Addison. Hey, show and prove, young man. It, can you handle responsibilities as as the focal point of the offense? A lot of moving parts. A lot of moving parts for the next three weeks. That argument has been made by some Vikings fans. I tend to disagree. I think they want to keep Justin Jefferson his whole career. And they're willing to pay him that, too. It's going to be interesting. That's going to be interesting, and so will this game on Sunday. Dave, Mm -hmm. do you have a prediction? I hate doing predictions. Absolutely hate it because I'm usually wrong. I have a feeling it's going to be a close game. Hopefully not sloppy game. And I'm going to call the purple to win on this one and tease Vikings fans and get their hopes up once again before we get killed by San Francisco. Ah, uh, well... I expect that. Um, well, I mean, it's a toss-up. Vegas has the Vikings as a favorite. I think it's kind of laughable the Vikings are a favorite on the road. But, again, I, the Bears are 1-14. They don't, they don't deserve a lot of benefit of the doubt. Uh, I have the Bears. Low-scoring game, 20, 2013. Mm-hmm. I could see that. I could. I could see it. It won't surprise me. Put it that way. If it goes the other way, it wouldn't surprise me either. <laughs> and I don't see a big scoring game, especially with the weather. No. Yeah, yeah. It, the weather it, it might be a little. It might be a little uh, overblown, but I don't think it's going to. It's not the most conducive atmosphere for a high scoring game. It shall be something a little more. A little more um, reminiscent of what Dick Buckets and his his era of players played in. Yes, when football was played by real men. <laughs> yeah, this has been fun, Dave. It has. I appreciate you coming on, me coming on your show to talk Vikings versus Bears. Uh, 
I hope the game is as fun as this. This has been this has been really illuminating. I learned some things. Uh, you know, got got to got to hammer it out. It's always always a good time when we get the when we hang out. So, but we'll get to do it one more time after this. Yes, we good. Cannot wait. Well, from me and Dave. Oh, oh I'm sorry, I'm getting ahead of myself, Dave. Let everybody know where they can find you. Hey, I'm Dave from Vikings First and Skull on the Fans First Sports Network. You can find our work on your favorite podcast aggregator anywhere. We're on all of them. Where can we find yours, Pay? Same, same. We are on everywhere you get your audio feeds from. You can get them from Apple Podcasts. We're there. Spotify, we're there. Google Podcasts, while it's still alive. We're there. Tell Alexa to play the Bear Claw. She'll, she'll know where to, she know where to find us. Uh, same thing with uh, your Google your Google Docs or you know all these smart devices to find us in any of the places. You also follow us on Facebook, TikTok. Uh, follow us on YouTube. We've got we're, we're trying to corner the market for Bear fans. Hey, go for it. Thanks, Dave, and. Until next time. Skull Vikings. There you go. Bear down. Thanks for listening. If you like, rate us on your favorite aggregator. And if you want to see our visual products, join us over on Vikings First and Skull YouTube page. But this has been a podcast-only production of Vikings First and Skull, Skulling with Friends. Skull Vikings!